Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. Good morning. You are listening to Just Life with me, Anna Fleischer, live from the London studio. And I have with me, um, via Google Meets, unfortunately not in person, um, Josephine Clovis. And we are going to be talking to you about the March for Life, which we attended on, um, it was on Saturday, wasn't it? It feels like it's, it was quite a yes. while ago, but uh, yeah, attended on Saturday, which was a really um, wonderful event. And Josephine is a, a linguist and a language teacher um, and we're just going to be, you know, giving giving you some of the experiences of the march, which was a really, um, yeah, it was it was good good to be there. I always feel um, I don't know about you. I always feel when I attend the March for Life. This was my third one. Um, mm-hmm. Just totally exhausted oh, okay. at the end of it um, because yeah. you are kind of facing the public with a view that is not necessarily very popular with a lot of people. Um, yeah. And it really does uh, take it out of you. What was your kind of experience of, of the march? Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think um, every time I go, I I am quite, um, it's, it's, I'm quite happy to be there. It's very reassuring. Mm-hmm. But um, this, this march, I think, was a little bit different because I think I've probably gone to the march as well, probably about three, three years in a row. But um, mm-hmm. this one, I felt like it was a little bit different. Um, in, in what way? Just, um, well, uh, first of all, there was a lot more opposition. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, we've um, attracted uh, some people that aren't happy. Like you said, the March for Life is really a, it's a, it's a very clear um, stance that's very contrary to the times that we're living in. And... Um, that can be quite scary, I think, because, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of think, oh, no, who, n- not just, you know, obviously it's it's something that the devil doesn't want, but, um, you know, it's how people, the opposition react as well. Um, and yeah. I think even just turning up there on, on, on the Saturday, because I, uh, I went to one of the, of the the events, which was the mass in the morning at mm-hmm. Westminster Cathedral. Really happy to go there um, and to see the amount of people turning up because um, yeah. they've heard um, about the the march. Uh, but when I did eventually get to the Emmanuel Centre uh, for the first time, I saw the opposition outside the Emmanuel yeah. Centre, which I don't think. They haven't done in previous years. Last year. 
No. No, exactly. But also there was the police presence as well. He just had like a line of big mm-hmm. police fans and it was like, you know, I, I don't remember the police being so strongly present in mm-hmm. previous marches. Yeah. At but- least not at the, uh, the centre. Yeah. It was still encouraging just how many people came. I think the organisers thought that um, oh, yeah. 7,000 people attended um, and oh, it, wow. it was a strike day. So they thought that um. if that if there hadn't been strikes then it might have been as many as 10,000 people um coming which is good wow. good numbers um given i feel like the pro life movement the march for life is a massive thing in in the US um and they get huge oh, yeah. numbers in Washington every year um mm-hmm. but i feel mm-hmm. like the pro life movement in this country is in some ways much smaller it's less mm-hmm. talked about it's almost not very yeah. English to talk about something like that. Um, exactly. Yeah. So it is really encouraging that it seems to be, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure how many people attended in previous years, but my feeling was it, it felt bigger. Um, yeah. It felt definitely. more lively and it felt like there were a lot more young people there as well, um, mm-hmm. which is just, yeah. it is is it, it is really encouraging. And a lot, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of um, Catholics as well. So it is it is largely Catholics, I think, who do come. Which yeah. is is not great in some ways because um, you would hope that more different uh, um, people from different backgrounds would get involved. But at the same time, I think there's a real opportunity there that um, there are a lot of really p- passionate like evangelical Christians who um, do turn up to the March for Life. And if we can sort of tap into that community, because there are a lot of people in this country who are really uncomfortable mm-hmm. with abortion. And it's about kind of activating yeah. them. So in some ways, if that 7,000 people were mainly just the Catholics, then like how many more people might start turning up if we really, um, you know, take take to heart um, the the issue and, and how important it is to get people thinking about it and talking about it and um, lobbying about it. Um, how many more people can we get from different communities um, and, and really grow, grow yeah. the movement? Yeah. Do you want to say, sorry, do you want to say a bit about like, why why did you think it was important to, to go to the March for Life? Because there are a lot of pro-life people who are maybe um, not not very comfortable with the idea of going mm. and doing something so yeah. public. Do you want to say a bit about your reasons for that? Um. Well, I think... Personally, I, I know that if I don't do it, my no. question is who's going to do it? Yeah. And um, I know obviously, luckily enough, this March for Life, um, you know, all the March for Life, there's a, there is a good attendance, but there are many other operations to also, you know, um, help within the pro-life um, arena. And I think... I know that you said that you know it's it's good that there was a a, a majority of Catholics um, that that been turning up and we need to sort of um, encourage other communities to. Uh, in my experience, there hasn't always been such a good turnout of Catholics. So yeah. for me, it's a massive encouragement just to see that there are so many Catholics doing that. Mm-hmm. But but I suppose going back to my reason of of why I wanted to go is. Like you said, it's um, you know, it's it's um, 
it's very encouraging to sort of turn up and see that, you know, there are Catholics that value um, mm-hmm. life. Yeah. But, um, but also, also, I think, yeah, it, it's just very important for me to show up for the unborn, to show up for, yeah. for them because, you know, um, they can't do it in any very clearly visible way apart from obviously someone who's pregnant but yeah even then um it's not like uh, they can speak for themselves and people will hear yeah um yeah and i think another thing that's really important about like why I, you know i go to the march for life um is it it gives faces to pro-lifers and they're often faces that people don't expect because they have a very caricatured idea of what a pro-lifer looks like. Because there is this kind of idea that, you know, it's just going to be sort of old, out of touch, privileged men. Oh. That's, as in like, that's <laughs> that's what, uh, you know, grow, growing up, going to very secular schools, that's, that's people's kind of general mm. idea of a pro-lifer Gee. to kind of, and that's, yeah. a, you know, so, someone someone who can be easily dismissed um, someone who doesn't yeah. really care about their issues and obviously they're just misogynistic and they don't care about helping mm. women and like I think this this image is really kind of uh, what has been used against pro-lifers and why people sometimes feel very like like we can be easily dismissed and yeah. showing up and having a bunch of like young women there <laughs> um, yeah. who obviously this does affect us really profoundly yeah um we do care about women um it was uh it did slightly get under my skin that the counter protesters were chanting pro-life that's a lie you don't care if women die and you just think like when when you you were there as a group of young women the lie Mm -hmm. of that slogan is so obvious like obviously we care about women dying um in childbirth or in botched abortions or like it just showing up and being that presence yeah. and being someone that a lot of people might not expect a pro-lifer to be. Mm-hmm. Um, just the whole yeah. diversity, including, you know, old men and young men and old women and young women and people from all sorts of different communities. It really gives a witness yeah. to just how um, how diverse a community we are. And we're people from all walks of life who just yeah. can see the basic fact that unborn children are human beings and yeah. they are our siblings and our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews even in the womb they are a part of mm. our community and we love them and they're not disposable um exactly yeah yeah and i yeah. I, I wonder like another big part of why why i go to the march for life is um because of that feeling that like you're not alone um, I wonder if you feel the same that like often it is quite lonely being pro-life you feel like everyone's yeah. against you <laughs> yes yeah. yeah have you had yeah. any experiences you know of, of of feeling like you're the only pro-lifer in a group of people and oh yeah I mean yeah. I think it's, it's very common when you sort of you go about your day if you're working wherever you're working and generally I've heard many comments where people would say, you know, like if you're if you if you don't support abortion, then you're backwards and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and for me, it's um, it's 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 really a decision in that moment. Do I talk to this person? Do I not? But then at the same time, it's like I'm here to do a job. It, it, it does. Um, 
it's certainly something that I would like to talk about with people, but then um, a bit like when you would see the people that were there, the opposition, you would, you would see how, you know, they're chanting these things. They're not really at a point where they want to listen. It's just really mm. because they're hurt and they're trying to, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's their hurt and they need to be listened to, but they're not ready to listen. Do you, yeah. You, if you understand what I mean. So it's like really sort of discerning when to be able to speak to people um, at a point where they're, they're happy to listen and they don't feel judged. Cause yeah. I think that's all it boils, it, that's what it boils down to. Um, them feeling judged. So they don't want to um, hear what you have to say, but it's enough to sort of even where we were in parliament square Mm. where the speeches were taking place it was enough to just listen to the lady well I can't, can't remember her name but was this um, Ellie the, the one... first speaker or no I think it was one of the last ones she, okay. she had the two abortions and she explained how um uh there was something about she said she went to yoga and then she decided to not oh yeah to go, I think she was she was the first one I heard anyway um ah, okay yeah um <laughs> yeah. that that was really really moving Strong. and a lot of the mm. counter protesters had actually come to the front of the stage and were kind of blocking the stage oh, and then wow. ellie started Imagine. talking and obviously from a very raw place so she was this young woman who had had three abortions um oh. starting from when she was like 16 i think um mm -hmm. just telling her story of these abortions and how like crushing and heartbreaking they were and then like how she managed to find peace and forgiveness and healing after it and how these abortions mm. had really kind of taken away her freedom um, mm. rather than given her freedom and in a way I was quite glad that a lot of the counter protesters were by the stage they started kind of walking out halfway through her her speech yeah. but I thought like that's that's really the way to get through to people is um, again as you say when when you're giving a platform to someone who's had all these abortions um mm what we're trying to signal is we're not here to judge you exactly we're here to just acknowledge the fact that like this is something really painful um and it shouldn't just be brushed under the, under the carpet we're not judging you but mm. we do think that like we have an obligation to make things better and to um make it so that no woman ever feels like she needs to have an abortion or that that's her only choice um mm. Yeah, and I, it, it, it's encouraging when when um you you would hope that someone who's just a member of the public passing by that that's the impression that we're giving off. Um, yeah, and I think that's what a, a lot of the people who march they're trying to do is they're trying to sort of give a different face to pro-lifers than people might expect, which is we aren't here to judge you, we love you, we are standing up for the unborn, but like mm -hmm. also with graciousness and forgiveness and acceptance yeah 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 i think so. I, yeah i think it's one of these um things where it seems like it's a maybe an aggressive stance but actually it's not because mm -hmm. what you're saying is you know the, me the message that we're trying to portray but then well not we don't we don't also have the sort of like you said the sort of caricature of pro-lifers but we also have a lot of the 
the the way that the media portrays us and yeah. how you know people say that um pro-lifers harass women outside of clinics and stuff like that and you know all, all, it's all in the words that they use and so these words naturally are more likely to be associated with pro-lifers which mm-hmm. is quite sad because i'm yeah i mean you can kind you kind of see firsthand by going on the march itself and seeing how people generally behave and then you see the opposition mm-hmm. and i don't know it's um yeah it's it's yeah. It's, um, yeah i think this is a good time for our first music break um this is uh very appropriately um the ave maria um a prayer to to mary who's the mother of well, you have that reference to her, her, the fruit of her womb, her child, Jesus.
That was Ave Maria, sung by the choir of New College, Oxford. And I'm here today with Josephine Clovis, and we were both at the March for Life on Saturday, um, which is the big pro-life annual march. I think this was the ninth annual one. Um, And yeah, a bunch of people turn up, march round Westminster, um, ending in Parliament Square, and there are talks. um, And it's just a big sort of gathering of of pro-life people and a big witness to the pro-life message. I was wondering, did you kind of have a sense of the effect that it was having on people as we were passing by? Um, to be honest, I um, I think that's probably one of the beauties of, of going on this march, because although you're, you're, you're on the march and you're doing this for, for a reason, I think this is probably one of the things that I do like to look out for, where you you see people being affected by it. And there mm-hmm. were a couple of points where... I did see people who weren't who weren't on the march but were looking on and some of them were women who were crying and for me it's you know it's a big um it, it says a lot because then there's some people who know straight away and the, obviously they're clearly mm-hmm. suffering from whatever's happened to them and you know, which in, in relation to, to this march, which is making them think about something. And it just goes to show that, you know, they're, they're, they're hurt, they're broken, and, and they know that in seeing this, it, 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 it brings, brings up things that, you know, that need to be addressed in them and, and things that they know is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, 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 and obviously these kind of people you pray for them and hope that they do get the healing that they need um but yes i, I would say that the the marches it, it does show a lot of um uh it, it helps i'm not trying to say it it mm-hmm. it causes people to to think about things that maybe they haven't wanted to think about or maybe they've distracted themselves for a very long time yeah so, yeah and yeah, and I think it's something that's always worth bearing in mind when you're when you're marching and thinking about the effect that what you're saying is having on people is just how many women have had abortions. I think it's like something like thirty or forty percent of women, um, maybe more, by the time that they reach menopause have had an abortion. Um, it is a huge, huge number. So like a lot, a lot of the people you are passing by, as as you say, they've probably been touched by this in some way, and um, there's probably a lot of hurt associated with it, um, which is in some ways why you know it's so so important with something like this that the message you're giving off is one of we care about you. So the sign that I always bring to the March for Life, um, which some people don't like, is this is what a pro-life feminist looks like, um, which I've thought about a lot. You know what does it mean to call yourself a feminist? And some people think that feminism automatically, you know, means being pro-choice and, you know, all these things that we wouldn't hold to as Catholics. But I think mm. what you're what you're doing when you're saying I'm a pro-life feminist is you're forcing people to kind of rethink, like, you, people know that you're redefining it. Um, mm. And you're redefining feminism in a way that, like, it's just a simple way to signal I really care about women I care about women's interests I think women are particularly vulnerable because we can get pregnant and we can have children and that needs to be kind of respected 
more in society um the ways that women are vulnerable and the ways that we need to kind of fight for women um but i'm a pro-life feminist i don't think the solution to this is abortion i think there are other solutions to it and it's a really good way of getting people getting the public to think because they think obviously you're not you can't be a feminist if you don't care about women <laughs> and, um and you don't respect women but you if you're calling yourself a pro-life feminist it's a really good way to kind of open up that conversation and make people again rethink the ways that they've been taught to think about abortion like you have mm. to be pro-choice if you care about women which just isn't true at all um and actually feminism shouldn't be about making women like men and therefore if mm. you get un in inconveniently pregnant then you should be able to walk away just like a, a man does and have an abortion it should be the other way around it should be about you know encouraging um men in society as a whole to take responsibility for children just as women have to um yeah so i, I just i wanted to ask you sort of more broadly than the the march for life um what 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 is it that inspires you to sort of be pro life and to really care about this issue um well first of all i think even just reading up on how a baby develops in the womb yeah. I, don't quote me on this but mm -hmm. i do i do remember there's certain things that i think um oof, i don't want to get it wrong <laughs> no but i think it's like literally 10 days in i think the nervous system has already developed for a baby there are other things that i think are infused yeah. at, at conception maybe i i color personality i think but yeah. there's certain you have your whole just... all of your genetics from conception um but the baby really does develop incredibly quickly um yeah and i think even just reading about these kind of um things it it makes me think okay well when people are saying okay it's not a baby it's like what well, you know, <laughs> it kind of is a baby <laughs> how, how can it not be a baby yeah if, um you know i mean it has to be a baby because of all these things that are yeah. uniquely part of it um mm -hmm. from from that moment of conception and and it's just it's it's really incredible reading about just the development of of, of a fetus from from the moment of conception until Mm -hmm. um birth is 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 really quite beautiful um yeah and it and is something that should inspire kind of wonder and respect and love and it is just so tragic when it's kind of the opposite response where it's just treated like a problem to be gotten rid of um yeah, it, yeah. yeah. have you yeah. was this always something that you've kind of felt strongly about or was there something that made you feel strong more strongly about the issue well i think it's also due to my um my upbringing mm -hmm. my parents and my my dad has always been quite involved in in these kind of events and i suppose as a family we've talked about it on a number of different occasions and so that's something that has always been very much um yeah uh, common knowledge in our family and and also you know we would have access to this kind of literature mm -hmm. the pro-life literature so understanding you know um the baby and and how it develops and um yeah and even just the effects of 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 
of not doing that, not just on the baby, but also on the mother. And mm-hmm. and I think I think the next thing is obviously understanding how how abortion affects the women and you know it's um it's it's quite sad to sort of um see that and 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 also you know hear about the traumatic experiences that people have been through um after having an abortion and even just um at the march itself when the lady was speaking about you know the 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 pills in the post where they can you know they just send these pills um to the woman to be able to have um abortion just like that and you know not be attended to by any medical person it's 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 um it's it's quite heartbreaking really um something else actually oh i um i read this book it's called she um is it called You Carried Me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's You Carried Me. And it's basically by um, the story about um, an abortion survivor. Um, and she wanted to find her her real parents. Uh, it was just a really incredible story. And she, it was like a massive, I'm pretty sure it was, I think the name was, yeah, it's definitely You Carried Me. Um, mm-hmm by I think it's Melissa. Oh, is this Melissa Odin? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've I've heard of her. She's she's really incredible. So her mother tried to um have an abortion, I think, but she um was delivered instead, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. That's um it. and that's had some effects on her health, obviously. But she she did survive and I think she was adopted. Mm. Um as as far as I recall and again, yes. it's just, it's these kinds of things that really, this uh, this issue only makes sense if you're so grounded in the humanity of the unborn, because they are yeah. literally invisible in some ways, as in they yeah. are in the mother's womb. And mm-hmm. you can kind of understand why, um, you can, the pro-choice position is completely understandable if you kind of forget that the unborn child is a human being it's mm-hmm. you know a problem a potential baby and if it's just a potential baby and it's not really a human being and it's um limiting my choices and my agency over my life and my ability to get an education then it, it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. the pro-choice position and this is why um it so depends on using really dehumanizing language for the unborn. Language that we wouldn't use in any other context to refer to an unborn child. Like everyone's happy referring to a, an unborn baby as a baby in every context apart from in the context of abortion. This is why you have like baby on board, you know, signs yeah, for people on the tube or like <laughs> baby showers. And everyone asks, when's the baby due? And talks about yeah. baby. Um, everyone's very happy calling it a baby. Or your mm-hmm. child, everyone kind of, or most people, I would hope, acknowledge yeah. that you know when you lose a child in miscarriage, that's a tragedy. You're grieving your child. No yeah. one, I hope, tells a, mis- a mother who has a miscarriage, it was just a clump of cells. It wasn't a human yet. Um, mm. But th- that's kind of what's the only way you can really sustain being pro-choice is by kind of 
forgetting about the humanity of the unborn mm-hmm. child and trying to dismiss it and say it's just a clump of cells mm-hmm. and it's clearly not just a clump of cells um or calling yeah. it a parasite and this kind of thing like this mm. the story of melissa odin obviously she was that nearly aborted child who survived and it just really brings it home to you like yeah. she's a real she- person yeah yeah no yeah and she's yeah a real survivor and she having spoken up um about these these kind of issues it just goes to show you know that you know she um because she's been given that voice mm-hmm. miraculously really because for her to have survived that was clearly miraculous and for her to then go on to give that voice to the to the unborn, where mm-hmm. you know, I suppose she could, she probably can identify and and you know feel more closer to to these people than um, than us because mm-hmm. she's actually almost um, almost suffered the same fate. Yeah, yeah. So for those yeah. listeners who maybe don't know a lot about um, what the situation is currently in the UK. Um, in 1967, the Abortion Act was passed, um, and that allows abortion up to 24 weeks um, if you have the approval of two doctors, um, and then up to birth if the child has a disability. So Down syndrome or even cleft lip or club foot are included in that. So the, the situation we have in this country, this is why I think it's also, also really important to March, is it is quite extreme compared to, like, most other countries, even most other countries that like allow abortion. So most countries in Europe, um, like Germany, France, um, I think typically the limit is like 12 to 15, 12 or 15 weeks. Um, so to allow abortion up to 24 weeks when there are children who do survive being born prematurely at like 22 weeks, um, it really is like quite, quite harrowing, um, in some ways. And and since 1967, there have been um, over 10 million abortions in the UK. So it is a, a much bigger problem than a lot of people realise. Um, mm. A lot more pregnancies end in abortion than, than people realise because people just don't really talk about it when they do get an abortion. Um, mm. And I just think, yeah. So the other side of, of the, the pro-life movement, you have the kind of lobbying side wanting the law to be changed. But you also have the um, charitable side. And I think in some ways this is why it's it's so important to just be visible, is to point people to the resources that are available that people often don't know exist. Because there are a lot of yeah. people who get pregnant and um, are just panic. And they don't know that there's support out there for them if mm-hmm. they're in an unexpected pregnancy. Like yeah. the charity Life is really, really wonderful. Um and there are various others um, that can give people support. So I think that's, in terms of, if you're listening to this and you think, um, you know, you want to get involved in some way, I think those those two kind of arms of the pro-life movement are both really, really important. Um, especially just, it, it, it just gives greater credibility when you can say, not only do I think abortion is wrong, but I am willing to do as much as I can to help women in crisis pregnancies so they don't feel like abortion is their only choice. Um, And just putting that message out there really loud and clear, we will help you. Um, 
just matters so so much um mm. so i mean if if you're you know wondering about how you can get involved um doing something like just sharing um resources from various different charities helping out with various different charities is just incredibly important and really does save lives um mm. yeah it's true I think it's about time for our second music break. Um, so if you've just tuned in, this is Just Life um, with me, Anna Fleischer from the London studio. And I have with me um, Josephine Clovis. Um, and we were both at the March for Life on Saturday, which was a really wonderful event. Um, and that's what we've been talking about. So do stay tuned for the next segment after this music break, which is When the Rain Comes by Third Day. When the Rain Comes by Third Day and you are listening to Radio Maria England live from the London studio with me Anna Fleischer and I have with me Josephine Clovis and we've been talking about the March for Life which was the ninth annual March for Life which happened on 
Saturday. Um, I hope many of you were there. If you were, then um, yeah, hopefully you relate to some of our experiences. Um, for those of you who who weren't there or who maybe are interested in um, uh, pro-life issues or getting involved with the pro-life movement, then I, I hope this has been uh, interesting and inspiring. We also, I, I think I might just give a quick plug. Um, so I was there with Radio Maria at the pre-event um, at a stall with um, advertising our new um, monthly program, Mornings for Life uh, with Georgia Clark, which will be a um, uh, I think it would be really good just in, in terms of educating and equipping people and inspiring people to get involved because there are a lot of different issues involved in um, being pro-life. And it's not just about um, the issue of abortion. There's also a big push to legalise euthanasia. Um, and there are, you know, issues, all sorts of issues to do with pregnancy and how we both um, we guard the dignity and the sanctity of um, both the mother's life and the child's life. Um, so do tune into that. More details to follow. Um, every every uh, month, uh, there'll be a Mornings for Life. I thought we would talk, talk a bit more about um, the counter-protesters, not just the counter-protesters, but like how, how to engage in conversations with the other side, because that's what I ended up doing. I was a bit sneaky. I kind of went round the back of the counter-protesters and I just thought it'd be really interesting to sort of strike up a conversation. So I asked a few of them, um, would you mind telling me why you're pro-choice? Which is a very inoffensive way to start a conversation because people often like talking about their own views. If they're there to protest something, you would think they would want to kind of say, well, it's because of this, this and this, and you're wrong because of this, this and this. But it, it starts a conversation with goodwill. Um yeah. A lot of them said, no, I don't want to talk to you. Um, one of them misread my sign and was like, great sign. And then I asked her, why are you pro-choice? And she was like, yeah. And then she looked at my sign again and she was like, her face just like completely changed. She was like, um, no, thank you. And walked away. <laughs> but I did actually end up um, managing to have a conversation with some of the counter-protesters. Mm. And yeah, it went on for a long time. And I think... This is something I struggle with, um, but I think it is really important if you, for anyone who's pro-life, to really think carefully about the arguments, about how you want to approach it, um, and just equip yourself in case you ever do end up in a conversation with someone who's pro-choice and they ask you why you're pro-life. Um, I don't think you need to know all the <clears throat> philosophical back and forth because I think you can get bogged down in that yeah. which I did a, a bit in that conversation of like counterexamples and like doctrine of double effect and all this philosophy ethics stuff um, that we were talking about but I think the most important thing you can do in, in a conversation like that and I, wonder, I think you probably will agree um, is firstly just be kind and be obviously a person who cares about women, cares about children, and you're doing this out of love. Mm. Um, I can't remember who said it, but someone said, like, people won't remember what you say, but how you made them feel. Yeah. That's not always true, but I think that's true a lot of the time. And yeah. the most important thing, which is can be really difficult when you're having a really difficult conversation about something like abortion, is mm. just... 
be kind, be a person that they would like or feel comfortable around. Don't be aggressive. Um, Just show them, look, I'm I'm a kind person. I really care about people. And the reason I care about this issue in particular is because I really care about women and I really care about children. And I think this is the loving position to take. Um, that is like absolute top of the list. Even if you don't have all the arguments set, that is what you want to leave people with the impression of. Like this was a really lovely person and I might disagree with them, but they really care about this and they're they're doing this out of love. Yeah. I wonder if you have, have anything to add. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would totally agree. I think... Um trying to meet them on their level where they're at because mm-hmm. I think also I think um Fortin said sometimes it's not listening to what people are saying but questioning why they are saying it because mm-hmm. there's always a why behind people's actions um and yeah. even though sometimes we can say things it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you know what we're saying is um um it, it, sometimes it can be a bit of a mask what we're yeah. saying but you always need to question why they're saying it but um another thing point i would probably add to that is probably when you are talking to these people just sort of invoking the holy spirit or just say a prayer i say a hail mary like you know help me to say something that will help them because at the end of the day, like we we can't change opinions, we can't change people, we can hardly change ourselves. <laughs> but um, what we can do is just drop that seed in there, because mm-hmm. I it just I remember uh, one lady. This was it's, it's a completely off the topic um, conversation, but she um, she always offered to help me, and she whenever I saw her, she would. If you need this, if you need this, ask me. If you need this, ask me. And um, for some reason, I did get into a situation where I was like, oh, actually, I do need, I do need this. And yeah. so then I actually asked her. So sometimes it's just about, you know, just dropping that seed in there to be like, okay, food for thought. But also, if you want to chat, I'm here available. Yeah. I'm here available. And you just say that simply. Um, but um but yeah definitely I, I would definitely encourage sort of praying in that moment for that person because mm-hmm. you don't know what um they need god knows what they need and if you're open to what god is sort of whispering to you then you may just say something that can help them yeah and it is really important sort of a similar point to to listen to them really carefully because yeah. again it can be very tempting when you're having an argument with someone to just jump in and get your point across and it can mm. sometimes feel like the most important thing is just that I say this and then they'll <laughs> understand that I'm right and they're right yeah. it's just when you when yeah. you say it like that obviously it seems irrational but that's often how people feel during an argument yes. and it's just so important to constantly be reminding myself you know yourself or myself um I need reminding of this like don't interrupt let them mm. speak make sure yeah. that they feel like they've been really listened to and that, yeah. that what they care about, you really understand. And often it can be helpful, even if it feels clunky. It doesn't feel clunky on the other end to just yeah. re-articulate what they've just said 
so that they know that um, they've been heard by you. So if they're articulating their concerns, you might respond being like, okay, so it seems to me like this is the reason why you hold this view. This is really important to you. I understand that. I share some of your concerns. However, I think, you know, this is a broader issue and um, I think maybe, you know, you should think about this thing or this argument or this, um, whatever it is that you're specifically arguing about, about this issue. Um, Just, you know, even if you are gently pointing out contradictions in what they're saying, the first thing to do, because they won't feel, they won't, want to listen to you unless they really feel like they've been listened to Mm -hmm. um and when people because people don't like feeling like they're the um they have the moral low ground in a conversation so if you set the moral high ground really high by being really generous and listening and sort of careful and um kind then they'll feel like they're in the wrong if they don't meet that moral high ground a lot of the time not all of the time but a lot of the time and then they'll want to really show that they're also really listening and they will take your your points to heart and they're also just as rational and willing to sort of engage in this in a in a good way um which obviously is is a wonderful thing because you just end up having much more productive um conversations with people and I, it's it's something you often hear from pro-lifers is like I just don't understand how they can they can think like that how they can think that you can just dispose of an unborn child um, yeah. and I I think that's that's not really good enough we really should understand if we want yeah. to um, talk to them like obviously not not agree with them obviously i feel like people who are pro-choice are really missing some vital part of the picture which makes it so difficult to understand from a pro-life perspective how you could be pro-choice but Mm -hmm. to just really enter into that kind of headspace so that you can meet people where they're at and not judge them because it is sometimes it is really hard not to judge people like Mm. we talk a lot about being non-judgmental nature is is very it is very hard but I think um I think I think one of the things that I've learned anyway in terms of um Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I've learned anyway in being um in really understanding the the catholic where, where it says you know do not judge is because there have been times where I suppose I've been on the receiving end of people yeah. misinterpreting what I'm saying or what I'm doing mm-hmm. or what I've done. And um, it's not very nice. <laughs> it's really not nice. Yeah. And I think that's probably something, it's probably one of the things that I've taken the longest to learn. And I think it's very easy once you've learned it to then see how easy it is to judge um, others. Mm-hmm. And so um but also it's a, it's a human defense mechanism mm-hmm. it's like you don't want to be judged first so you do the judging mm-hmm. or um the same way where you don't want to be rejected so you reject first mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very normal because we all like everyone in society is craving to be accepted and and i think this is why we all sort of put on this sort of um 
I don't know, this sort of shield of, oh, I, I don't care. Well, actually, I think loads of people do care about what people think. And I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of the protesters, you know, they're showing up because they feel judged. They feel judged by our stance and, and the way that they act is because they feel judged and rejected. Um, mm -hmm. Also, it's, it's questioning, it's something that's clearly shaking their foundations or making that, at least making them think about an issue, which is... Um, a very important issue. Yeah. Tim's so. just joined us. Um, Tim Hello. was also at the March for Life Hi. on Saturday. Um, do you want to sort of share what, what was your experience of it like? Sure, I'd love to. Um, yes, I, I would have loved to have been with you earlier, but we had a mass here in the studio, which was obviously a wonderful thing to be at. And um, you both can hear me fine, mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what you two have spoken about, so just stop me if, if I'm covering things twice. But um, obviously the counter-protest was quite frightening at first um, when we came out of the, the mm -hmm. Emmanuel Centre. And um, I actually sent a voice note to some friends to, to pray because I was, I was finding it a little bit uh, frightening. They, we had this these people waiting for us and they were loud and they were organized and they were, um, you know, we in comparison seemed quite uh, almost, how can I put it, um, a little bit leaderless and a little bit uh, without a, a real plan. Um, and I thought we should have chance that we can counter their chance with and we should have some kind of of person who's who's rallying us together. But as we moved away from them and um, you know they were quite pleased by that they started cheering and stuff and it was it was nice to kind of feel like we weren't there to protest against them we were there to uphold the value of life and so yeah. we weren't it wasn't like a like two sides coming to battle each other we weren't really that concerned about about that um and then as we started going the franciscans started leading us in a rosary and um we started singing hymns and I thought to myself, this is the kind of thing that we should be doing. We shouldn't, um, it's felt, it felt more appropriate than us having sort of catchy phrases and slogans and things like that. Um, at the, at the foundation of what we're doing is, is a love for the image of God in, um, everyone, you know, in the unborn, in each other, and even in those people who are, um, protesting against us, um, you know mm -hmm. the, this this appreciation for the fact that we're all made in in his image and and that is something to be treasured so as as the march moved on like that i i had this immense joy in me even though it was such a sad thing um there was also a time when i felt like i was on the verge of of breaking down crying because it was just so intense you know like the, the um what was happening but on the whole, I felt like I came away from this whole experience incredibly encouraged uh, and being on a high for the, the days that, that followed, which I, I think I still mm -hmm. am on. Um, I'll share one more thing. And that is while we were walking down, we passed uh, Trafalgar Square. No, sorry. We passed Parliament Square. Mm -hmm. And I think we were walking towards Trafalgar Square. I don't know London that well. And, and I didn't really have a scope for how big how the the march was to me it, it seemed actually quite small because i think we started with only a few hundred and suddenly i saw a a group of people marching in the opposite direction on the other side of the road 
And I thought, oh goodness me, we, we're encountering the counter march again. We're encountering the, the pro-choices. And then I saw these big banners of Our Lady of Guadalupe <laughs> and, and another sort of banner that has something written on it to St. George. And it felt like that moment in The Lord of the Rings where um, <laughs> Aragorn meets um the, you know the the meets them in the battle on the on the Pelennor fields and suddenly like yes we're gonna uh, win reinforcement um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and I didn't I thought it was another pro life march but I didn't realize it was us from like mm-hmm. you know that had double backed mm-hmm. and suddenly I realized just how big we were um and and there were thousands of us seven thousand seven thousand mm-hmm. yeah wow mm-hmm. I mean so again like I there, there's something um triumphant about it but not in not in the same sense as as the way you often see triumphantalism i'm probably not yeah. pronouncing that properly you know there's there was a love and a joy at the heart of it and i i'm just so glad that uh that seems to have been obviously i couldn't have been everywhere at once but it seems to have been what was was across like the mm-hmm. whole march yeah so yeah, yeah. that's definitely my well, experience thank you so much for that tim um, and thank you for joining us, dear listeners, on Just Life this morning, talking about the March for Life, which happened this Saturday. It's an annual thing, so if you're, you've been inspired, then um, come do come along next year. That'll be the 10th annual March for Life in this country. Um, and I think they're hoping to get 10,000 people this time, um, which I think is doable. So um, mark that in your minds i'm not sure if the date has been set yet but it'll probably be at the beginning of september next year um and this has been me anna fleischer with josephine clovis and tim hutchinson talking about the march for life